have to admit that cats don't really know much. I mean, they don't know much compared to us. The the weird thing about out-of-body experiences is that, is that most people don't really know it's a thing. Like, okay, you, you hear the word out-of-body experience and you think, most people think of near-death experience. And that that is related, that is a subset of the out-of-body experience, but out-of-body experience as a hobby, um, that is, most people are not familiar with that. There are a lot of books about it, but the thing is that when a book has a purple cover and says something spiritual, it's very easy to not take it seriously. So, let me put this in. So, I mean, I it happens to me too. I have, I have books on remote viewing, books on out of body experience. I have probably ten books on out of body experience. I've read them all, and I still, when I see a book with the purple cover and it has mystical shit on it, I don't really take it seriously. Even though I'm Mister Mystical Shit, it's just, I don't know. It's not the, it's not the best way to make book that you want to take seriously you know you you see a book with a big uh white cover with big black block letters and has a picture of a guy he's an investor or something and you go okay this guy probably knows what he's talking about you see a book that says uh tears of the soul and it's purple and it has a a hand with little waves coming off it or something like okay this is garbage but it doesn't necessarily reflect what's in the book because the author didn't make that cover in most cases that was done by the hmm, that was done by the publisher because the author writes the book the publisher goes through and you know they have cover artists they have marketers they have this and that and they know that there are people who are interested in purple books <laughs> And, I mean, I'm interested in purple books, but I just, I don't like it. Why are we out of coal? We're out of coal? We're out of freaking coal? Oh my gosh. So, so, there are a lot of books out there that are good books, full of good information that most of us will never read because they look like silly bullshit. Out-of-body experience books are no exception. Um, you know, J Secret of the Soul, uh, Journey... What was the... There's the classic one. Um, Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. That's a good book. And when I was... When I was in my 20s, I had this girlfriend. and I don't know. We kind of... We kind of fed off of each other. We got each other into weird stuff, and we'd encourage each other. And we ended up... What am I looking for? Why am I here? One sec, I gotta get my bearings. I came down here for a reason. Oh, I need coal. And... I don't know, we weren't the best for each other, but she was an important part of my life because I still am into out-of-body experiences, but we had these cats 
and we had this cat named Madison. We lived in this apartment building, and we watched Ma Madison was an outdoor cat. We watched Madison walk by one day, and then we went ahead. We were like, "Oh, there goes Madison!" And then she goes, "No, Madison's asleep on the couch." And we were not. You know, I, I had not hit my skeptical phase in my life yet. Uh, she hadn't either. I don't know if she ever hit that phase. I don't know her that well. I haven't seen her in years. But we were like, oh, man. <laughs> Clearly what's happening is we saw an astral projection of the cat. And I, we and she ended up buying Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. Um, she read it, then I read it, and it was the most interesting thing you could read. Just about this guy, um, I don't know, all the stuff that he goes through. <sighs> How much stuff is up here? And they're weird experiences, and the thing is, the thing is, when it comes to supernatural stuff, it's weirder than you expect it to be. When, when you, you know, if, if it's a haunting, if it's uh, ET sightings, if it's out-of-body experiences, it's, we have the people who don't believe it, and they believe that a certain other thing happens. Oh, it's your imagination. We have the people that do believe it. Oh, it's your spirit getting out and running around. But it ends up, you end up with stories that don't fit either person's narrative. Um, so, like in the Journeys Out of the Body, he said, yeah, I had, I went to three different environments in my out-of-body experiences. I went to the real-time zone, which is just floating around the bedroom, floating around down the street in the house. I went to the... Um, I don't know, he had three locations. One of them was real-time zone. One of them was supposed to be basically the astral realms going off and uh, seeing where all the people who are not physical, as we know physical physicality to be, uh, live. You know, different worlds and weird places. And, and then there was this other one. That, like, okay, those two, those two, that's fine. Those two align with what I have heard, I just threw my fishing pole away. Those two things align with what I've heard, what I expect, what I would expect to hear about out-of-body experiences. But then there was another one which sometimes, or maybe all the time, he would get out of his body, and then he would look into the, like, the wall behind his head, and in that wall behind his head, there would be like a hole and he would go through the hole and he would end up in an environment that was a lot like earth except it was different in really weird ways like things seemed to be nuclear powered instead of uh powered with fuel and there seemed to be like the cars were really wide, like weird stuff like that. So 
And you're like, okay, well, that is not something the skeptics expected him to say, and that is not something the believers expected him to say. And when you get into this kind of stuff and you actually start practicing, that happens a lot. I call that the WTF factor. Like, why? Why? You know? Why does it happen in a way we don't expect if it's supposed to be just coming from our mind? And it does. It does a lot. So, we bought this book. He had these exercises of um, uh, relax. Most, most techniques to have an out-of-body experience involve fooling your body into thinking it is asleep. Oh, Becca's out there. And then once your body believes it's asleep, then the whole process begins on its own, which leads a person to believe, yeah, this happens while we're asleep. Um, so you get yourself into a trance, you get yourself all the way relaxed, and then maybe you imagine you're climbing a ladder out of your body or something like that. Now these techniques, um, which most of the books have, never really worked for me. I've, I've gotten into the trance. I've never, I guess I'm not good at quieting my mind. I'm better at it than I used to be because I've been meditating. I got my hands on, years and years later, this book, um, it's at obe4u.com, literally just five characters in a row, obe4u, is a book written by this guy, Michael Raduga. It's called, you know, I don't, just, oh, it's called The Phase, because The Phase is what he calls, he calls lucid dreams and out-of-body experiences the same kind of thing, and he calls it The Phase. Now, when you listen to him talk, there's this like hours and hours long presentation he gave to a class in Russia that's translated and it's on YouTube and I've listened to it a couple times. It's excellent information. This guy is a superstar, but at least he used to and he might still not really believe in supernatural. And how is, you know, people who are into it, who want to learn out-of-body experience, do not understand how can you how can you be having these experiences regularly and teaching classes around the world for decades and decades and not believe in the supernatural? And that's an interesting thing about it because something that wasn't mentioned in Robert Monroe's book, which I do believe in Robert Monroe's first book, the ones after that feel a little narratively and narrative-y. They feel a little bit like um, stories that have beginnings, middles, and ends, unlike life, which doesn't have those really. Well, I, I guess it does, but they're not tied up neatly like in fictional stories. Michael Raduga, okay, so when you get out, when you have an out, and I've had a few, I'm no good at it, but I am an expert just because most people don't know it's a thing at all. So I'm an expert, I, I am on a very high percentile of skill at this, uh, even though I haven't, you know, it's been, it's been a few months now. When you get out, the environment you get into, your bedroom, wherever you happen to be laying down, doesn't always match your real environment. Um, one time I was in my bedroom, I got vibrations, which I'll talk about. I got out and the room was filled with cardboard boxes as if I was in the middle of a move. 
and depending on your level of mental clarity at the time, you may or may not notice how different it is until after. And the question arises, well, then isn't it just a dream? And it is easy to believe that. And I don't personally believe that because of my own personal experience, but the fact is that it's not that hard to have an out-of-body experience. But when you do have it, you might not get the satisfaction of personal proof that you are looking for. I was having out-of-body experiences when I was a skeptic looking for personal proof. I'm like, I'm not going to believe in the supernatural stuff until I see something that proves it to me. Um, and I was having out-of-body experiences the whole time and still looking for that proof. Because, you know, I the environment might be different in weird ways. And sometimes you get back and you're like, there was a guy standing in the middle of the room and I didn't even really notice. So it's not it's not cut and dry. It's not what you expect. But I feel like it is still worthwhile and should be encouraged because you're having that experience. And it really, it people say it can feel as real as real life or even more real than real life. I've not experienced more real than real life myself. But if you do it right, you can get it very vivid, clear, just like the way you are now. Um, and the fact is that even though you can't, I mean, maybe you can, I, it doesn't seem likely to me that a person could, say, put a playing card on top of their bookshelf, not look at which one it is, then when they're having the out-of-body experience, go check it out, uh, see if it matches. I mean, it could match. I, I've never really tried that, but like I said, the environment doesn't necessarily even match. Sometimes maybe it does, you know? I, I'm not... I, as much of a, an expert I am on this, I'm an expert in it in the way that um, the the caveman who invented fire is an expert on thermal energy because, because hey, I made a fire. I don't know nothing about it. And there are... A lot of people who do know a lot more about out-of-body experiences than I do, but uh, they are, they're few of them. It, it just, in general, in our society, uh, the vast majority of people go, oh, you mean like a near-death experience? I used to hear about those in the 90s. They used to be pretty big in the 90s. A lot of, a lot of, uh, showed up on the news a lot. Not, not the news, but like 60 Minutes, that sort of thing. So... I got a hold of Michael Raduga's book called The Phase. He thinks that lucid dreams, not a body experiences, are interchangeable words. I think that one might be a subset of the other. I mean, I honestly believe that dreams themselves happen in an environment uh, that others could enter into, um, that that does happen. But I'm not going to talk about the semantics of that out-of-body experience too much. I, I get caught up in ideas. In the fate, there, Michael Raduga's technique is a lot more workable for me, and it's the first time I ever intentionally brought on the vibrational state, which, like I said, I will talk about. His technique involves going from being asleep, waking up, and then waking up without moving or... Um, without moving or opening your eyes. And th so that's the hard part. 
And if you can, I mean, you know, some people it might not even be hard. I, but for me, it's quite hard just to remember, like, I'll go, okay, I'm going to wake up without moving or opening my eyes. And then it's 5 p.m. the next day and I go, oh, shit, I never did that. But then once you do that, oh, I mean, okay, here, here's, a, here's a technique for you. This is the simplest technique I can give you that I know of. It is effective in that if you keep trying, you will succeed. Step one, wake up without moving or opening your eyes. That's the hard part. But you practice, you get good at it, you do fine. Step two, try to float upward. And I'm not saying imagine you're floating upward, but like when you were a kid, maybe you pretended you were Superman or, you know, you, you know what it's like, you know what it feels like, maybe in a dream, a lucid dream, you know, not everyone has them, but trying to float, trying to fly, making that effort, not pretend, not pretending you are doing it, not imagining it, visualizing, but making the effort to move upward bodily, to move your body that is laying in the bed up into the air. So try to float. Um, try that enough times, eventually you will. You'll go, oh, I'm floating. What is going on? And then you get scared. and It, it can be scary. Um, he, his technique is a lot more refined. It, uh, you know, first step, try to float, and then you're, you know, trying to move your hands without flexing your muscles, you're trying to strain your brain, you're doing these different things that are supposed to stimulate, that are supposed to, I believe, stimulate that body that is going to exit, um, the body that is going to go into the realm that does somewhat resemble this physical world, but is more aligned with that, uh, etheric, uh, subtle, uh, body energy, you know, I mean, there's so, so much lingo and it's all, uh, it gets used differently by different people. So you, you wake up, you manage to not move, not open your eyes and then, okay, I'm trying to float. Okay. It didn't work. Now I'm moving my, I'm, moving my hands without moving my muscles, which yeah, you kind of figure that out. Okay, now I'm um, trying to see images on the back of my eyelids. Okay, now I'm straining my brain, which obviously your brain doesn't have muscles, but when you are in that state that you just woke up, you can do it. You can, it feels like you're flexing your brain like a muscle. And I'm sure there's some chakra thing going on, some energy thing, you know, I'm not gonna try to be, I'm not gonna try to say I know exactly what's happening. But you cycle through that three or four times, four seconds each, and then maybe the third time through, suddenly you're vibrating. Now let's, I mean, okay, this, this podcast is not going to be <laughs> a really good guidebook because I go back and forth a lot. I don't do a good step-by-step -step linear thing. Um, but there are a lot of books on the subject, and you can go read the phase for free, download a free PDF of Michael Reduga's book, which is an excellent book. It's an excellent book. So, you start vibrating. What does that mean? Um, people say, oh, that could be a seizure. That some You're just having a seizure, but it's not like muscular twitching at all. It is more like a motor 
maybe like a dryer um, or some kind of machine like that, something that buzzes. It feels like your skin maybe over your whole body. It could be rough. It could be really subtle. It could be over your whole body. It could be just your legs or your shoulders. It comes with a sound, and the sound could be a lower frequency. It could be a higher frequency. But it's... um. It's very noticeable. It's not a physical movement. Um, reports, you know, I have not, I, I haven't been able to check this out, but reports of people who are laying with their partner, their partner's awake when they went through the vibrations. They didn't see, hear, feel anything. Everything just, you know, seems like so-and-so is asleep right there. Um, so the vibrations happen and generally when you're feeling those vibrations, ah, I shouldn't speak for you, I'll speak for me. If I'm feeling vibrations, I just lay there for maybe five seconds, and then I stand up, and I'm out of the body. Another roadblock, though, is when you stand up, it feels like you're physically getting out of bed. And it gives you the impression, oh, I fucked it up. <laughs> I, uh... I canceled the whole thing, I got up out of bed instead of having an out-of-body experience. Once you have a little more experience, uh, you get much better at telling, oh, this is a subtle body movement. This, is, this doesn't have the weight, the strain, the muscle tiredness of just having woken up. It feels physical, but it does not feel heavy. And the first time I ever had vibrations, I laid there and just felt them. And at some point, I noticed that it felt like I was floating in in place on top of the bed rather than laying on the bed. You shouldn't worry too much about. I mean, you 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 can really stall yourself by worrying and thinking, "Oh, I I moved my body," when you really didn't. It's very common and very understandable, and eh, you know you work through it. So yeah, you get up, and myself, every time I get out of body, I'm blind. Because I'm laying in bed with my eyes closed. Um, now I get up, I guess my eyes are still closed. I don't know, I can't see. I have tried just forcing my eyes open before in the subtle body, but I ended up forcing my eyes open in my physical body lying on the bed. Got a very confusing view of the side table and like the side of my pillow while I felt like like I, I could feel myself standing in the center of the room but what I was seeing was my side table and uh, I had to force my eyes back closed because that was very <laughs> that was very disorienting but um, there are a couple different ways to get sight one that I read I think it was in Robert Bruce's book the astral dynamics, which is just say it out loud, give me sight, or something like that. And then it fades in. It tends to be pretty effective. Um, Michael Raduga's technique, he calls palpating, and I think that's a word. That's not something he made up. Um, but palpating, just going up to a shelf, just feeling around until you feel 
some object in your environment, pick it up and touch it and feel it and really feel the texture, feel it in detail. Um, maybe smell it, taste it, get your senses involved. When you're doing this, my belief is that you are you're pushing more and more energy into that subtle body. You're giving it more resources because it's like, oh, I'm I'm using all these senses. I need more energy. You know, otherwise I I was just kind of a shitty. <laughs> you know, you get out and you have kind of a shitty brain. You're you're not thinking too straight. You're not s seeing anything, but you start really uh, you start really touching everything, moving around, being quick about it, being energetic about it, and then your your vision fades in, and then you might feel like you have shitty vague brain like when you're sick or um when you're having a lucid dream i mean i don't know if other people experience this but i get i get very low focus sometimes in those situations and this works in lucid dreams too uh which would back up michael reduga's assertion that they're the same thing that you start start using your senses start touching stuff and your mental clarity will shoot right up and suddenly you're like, okay, now I can think, now I can plan, now I can remember the day I had before I went to bed. Um, and one technique I've heard is to chew on gum. You can manifest gum and chew on that. And I, I haven't tried that, but it sounds like an excellent idea. But that's another thing. You're not in the physical environment because you can pick up objects, throw them around, you can do whatever. And those objects, you're not a poltergeist all of a sudden. You're not throwing cups and stuff around the the living room where your spouse is lying. Okay, yeah, you guys are sleeping in the living room for some reason. But, I mean, you know, and I'm not, when I say this isn't what happens, that isn't what happens, I'm saying that isn't what happens to me. Other people have much weirder experiences than I do. I have much weirder experiences than other people do. We all have very unique <laughs> uh, we all we all do things our own way so what I say is true you will find that it is somewhat true and somewhat false for yourself which is true with you know if I say hey low-carb diet you know s s just eat meat and vegetables then you do it you might feel sick because your mileage always varies <laughs> there there's nothing there's no experience that's exactly the same for everyone so you get out of the body there are options you can uh you can try to go to different environments oh i want to go to japan and you put in your mind okay that door to the bathroom actually leads to japan you step through you're in japan you go uh, oh i want to talk to my dead relative i want to manifest a uh a thought form that looks like a pretty woman have sex with her a guy whatever it and like I said, a lot of the time, it wouldn't be too hard to mistake it for a dream and therefore to discount it because of how we see dreams in our society, which is just a garbage dump, a mental garbage dump at the end of the day. Like, oh, all this stuff, better go to sleep, better get rid of all this stuff that's in my brain. Um, I'm very skeptical that is what a dream is. Um, I've had a lot of very significant dreams. Some of my most significant moments in my life have been dreams. Um, 
So the first time I ever felt vibrations, I had been reading Robert Bruce's book. Um, what's it called? Astral Dynamics. I'd been reading Astral Dynamics, and I was just part way in. I was lying on the couch in the living room because I was just in this phase. I was single. I think I was in this phase where I just liked to sleep in the couch. I was so much more comfortable than my bed. I was lying awake in the morning. No cell phone. It wasn't smartphones weren't a thing. It really changed everything. And I was drifting in and out of sleep. And sometimes, this is an experience I used to have a lot more often called awake-induced lucid dreams. Sometimes you are drifting and then you start to see an image or see a scene. And then if you really focus on it, you'll enter into that scene and you're dreaming without the break in consciousness that is uh, that usually happens in between being awake, being asleep, dreaming. So I was seeing the environment a couple blocks away by the high school. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll focus on this. I'll go into a dream. I was by the street and I was looking at the door of the high school. I was looking over the trees. There was a cell phone tower over there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the thing I said earlier. I was a 22 year old guy. I'm going to manifest so-and-so to have sex with her. So I tried to outline her in the air, which is, you know, you do your own recipes <laughs> for magic, especially in dreams and stuff. You, what you, what, it's all about what you believe. What you believe is what happens. It's not about effort as much as belief. I went and tried to outline her form in the air and notice I did not have any hands and I didn't have a body. I was just a floating point. And that made me nervous. Um, I, I, I don't remember the exact sequence of events. I do have it written down somewhere. I wrote it down right away. But I started sinking downward toward the ground. And I became afraid of sinking into the darkness of the ground like if you sink into the dirt and suddenly everything is dark i was afraid of that i don't know like it, it, i was still thinking it was a dream at this point so i don't know why i was under the impression that i was going to pass through the material of the ground i started sinking downward and sort of twisting in like random directions i had very little control over the movement and i made a will i a force of will stop stop falling stop falling i did stop about a foot from the ground and i was looking right at a fire hydrant and then i was lying in my bed vibrating it was very intense it was the first time i had ever felt vibrations and i and i was like i know this this is the thing i've been reading about but I was so scared because it is scary because it is scary it's scary at first i mean once you're used to it you're used to it i was lying there feeling the vibrations and i my eyes i opened my eyes i don't do that anymore during vibration maybe i should i opened my eyes and 
looking at the ceiling lying on my back. In between myself and the ceiling, there was a shape made of pale blue sparks. The shape, I probably can't describe the shape, but I'll try. Take a oval, a horizontal oval, cut it in half. Now, cap the open end of it with a smaller vertical oval. And th that shape is cut through the middle by a line that sticks out the end of the larger oval. And, I mean, I don't have all the details there to give you the accurate picture, but that's, that's basically the shape. I still don't know what that shape was, but I did have a woman tell me on Reddit that she saw, she woke up and saw that shape hovering above her husband's face, the shape that I had drawn on Reddit, and that it had terrified her. And I don't know what to make of that. But anyway, it was made out of shimmering blue sparks, and I was getting the impression while looking at it that the shape was the a visual of the vibrations, and the sparks seemed to be moving with the vibrations. And then it faded away, and I got up, and the thing about this was that out of all the out-of-body experience stuff I had read about, none of them sounded like this. The experience I had did not resemble any of the out-of-body experiences I was reading about. It had the vibrations, but like I was, I didn't have a body. I was just a little floating point. I could barely control myself. I never exited the body. I just sort of showed up in a in a, a couple blocks away. So it was it was confusing. But then I I continued, or maybe started. You know, this was years ago. Reading astral dynamics. And I got to a chapter where he mentions something that he has termed a remote eye projection, which he says is uh, when you're sleepy, a sort of shitty, um, a, you'll have like a really shitty astral projection to a nearby place with a, uh, be a, a point of awareness without a body, without any really good control. And so much of it lined up that I was kind of reading it and I was in awe and I was talking about hmm, talking about personal proof earlier and this was not my personal proof this was just my first out of body experience related thing so that really got my attention I was like okay so Robert Bruce kind of knows what he's talking about and I don't know why I'm so doubtful of these authors that give me such actionable information level 36 I should spend those at a later time, see, most of the times around that period when I was in my early 20s, when I got vibrations, I woke up with them. I was in bed, sleeping. I had a dream, something about the color green. Woke up with vibrations. Got scared. They went away. And then I had a dream that I was in my closet and there was some kind of a jester type character with like a top hat, more like a Mad Hatter type character floating there. And he pulled out a red card and then the color red bled into everything and then I woke up with heavy vibrations again. And I laid there until it felt like I was floating there and then I rolled off the bed 
I was in my dark room and in this case it really did match very closely to my actual bedroom and I was blind and I reached on top of my head and my blanket was draped over my head covering my eyes and I moved it out of the way I don't entirely I, I, I figure I must have manifested that just to explain the blindness and then pulling it away was a symbolic gesture of removing the blindness but I remember seeing my door, which was cracked a little bit open, and thinking, oh man, anything could happen, anything could come through there, and I got scared, and I ended it. And that was my first normal, quote-unquote, normal out-of-body experience. And uh, I, I, I was trying all the time with lay down, relax yourself, spend an hour on this, uh, get frustrated every time i've never gotten that to work just laying down and relaxing and doing techniques it, it, every time i've done it intentionally it has been through waking up and not moving and not opening my eyes that's for me i think that's the best technique it's the only technique for me so or you know from a lucid dream but i i always seem to be shitty from lucid dreams but the fact is that if you're palpating, if you're picking stuff up and feeling it and using your senses, then you really do beef up the amount of awareness you have and the clarity and your vision. It's, uh, oh, I'll mention my personal proof. One day I woke up in bed in this house I live in now, living or sleeping next to the wife that I'm living with now. I was laying in bed, just, you know, um, tired don't want to move and i realized that based on there was a sound and we have this cigarette roller machine because she smokes and we save money that way and it was i could hear it rolling cigarettes by itself i was laying there thinking well first of all if that's behind me then i'm laying the wrong direction on the bed I, my head is where my feet go and vice versa and then secondly, like, we don't, it's not an automatic machine. <laughs> it, it doesn't work itself. You have to work it. So what's going on? And then I thought, oh, I'm having an out-of-body experience. I got out of bed, floated around the bedroom. It was nice and bright, sunny outside. I was going to go through the ceiling and the roof, but I did not want to pass through. You know, it's this fear of the dark when I'm in that state, which is not... I don't have much of a fear of the dark normally. I did not want to pass through the attic. It seemed like it would be creepy. So I went through the window into the backyard. The backyard was full of stuff. It was full of activity. There was just just random stuff all over the place. And I looked around and I was like, I, I remember seeing this old style, what's it? Old style red pickup truck, like with the big round fenders and stuff. And it was sitting in grass, short grass. And I looked away, and I looked back at it, and it had moved over a little, and it was old. It, it was all wrecked. It was like it had been sitting there for 50 years with grass growing up through it, and the tires gone and stuff. So I looked at it. I looked away. It was all screwed up. And I had the notion at the time, oh, this is like prophetic symbols. These are symbols. This is... This is like a prophecy dream. And I looked and I noted a few of the symbols. That's weird. The sun gets smaller before it goes down. 
not on a flat earth, brah. <laughs> but I looked at the symbols, and when I woke up, I woke up, asked Becca what the date was. I said, she told me, I wrote it down in my dream journal, and then I woke up again because I wasn't awake the first time. So I wrote it all down, including that part. Well, some time passes, I had wanting, uh, I had been wanting to do ayahuasca for a while. Because um, I, you know, emotional issues and stuff like, oh, this is supposed to be a healing medicine. But I didn't have money to run off to Peru. One day I'm like, all right, I got to see if there's some way to do this in the U.S. And I looked it up. There was a place in Washington State where I live that was going to be opening soon. It was going to be opening, like the first session was going to be happening around my birthday. Like on my birthday. And I sent a message and I signed up and I paid like two grand because um, it was like a donation thing, but I didn't want to feel like I wasn't paying enough. I paid it for my credit card. I don't know, man. Bad decisions. But I went to the thing, did the ayahuasca retreat, came back, had the first experience of being really high vibration, which is like less angry, more wise, less... Uh, obsessive uh you know like high vibe it's a spiritual vibration thing if you don't know I, I don't think i can explain it right very well right now but i got back my life was better i was a better person for about three months and i was like started really snacking on junk food again and getting back into my old habits and it all kind of went away um, but I noticed when I got back, I was like, oh, they took us up the mountain to the, the temple, which was a big teepee. They took us up the mountain in this red pickup truck. It was a modern red pickup truck. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of that dream. And then I was thinking of the other symbols in the dream. I was like, those symbols really seem to line up with the ayahuasca retreat. And I went and went back to read the dream and it's like it, i was like okay i'm choosing to believe that that prophetic dream was a prophecy for the ayahuasca retreat and that it's like it's all in symbols just like in the fucking tv shows and stuff when people have a prophetic dream it's like oh that's really the way it works i went and read the document which was safe to google docs and had never been edited and that document was created i had the dream i went to i i did the ayahuasca ceremony on the one year anniversary of the prophetic dream meaning it was the same day of the year one year apart and then that blew my mind and then that was my personal proof you may notice that that is not convincing for you. Uh, that is why it's personal proof, because personal proof is the only kind of proof. You can't really prove something to a group of people. If it's good enough for one person, then that can be their personal proof. Um, I mean, if you prove something to everyone in the world, then that's just culture. That has just become a part of culture, because culture is the things we all believe together. 
so that was that was when I started that that was when I said okay I at least believe that information can travel backward in time and be perceived by a person and oh I'm I'm way beyond that now because I went to East Eddy Ranch um, so East Eddy Ranch is a property in Washington State owned by a man named James Gilliland. I went there for a remote viewing workshop. It okay, ECETI is spelled E C E T I. It stands for Enlightened Contact with Extraterrestrial Intelligences. Um it's a UFO hotspot over that ranch and over Mount Adams, which it is nearby. There are a lot of UFO sightings. Like any clear night, you're gonna see them. Um, I was at Iseti, and it was the first time in my life that I felt like I fit in with any group of people. Um, there were sixty people in the class. I would go and we're eating lunch, and I just go sit down with a group of strangers and start talking to them. That's un heard of. I'm the guy who sits in the corner and reads and gets a little peeved if someone tries to include him in a conversation. That's me. I've never felt like I uh, fit in with a group ever. But this is a time where I felt like I fit in with a group. We'd start talking about weird experiences we've had, things we've seen, things we've, uh, you know, dreams we've had or whatever. And there were shamans there. There were channelers there. There was all, all kinds of different people, all weirdos. And uh, we were weirdos together. On one night, I was sitting out in Skywatch Field, which is where you go to see the UFOs go by. And I was explaining out-of-body experiences to people, giving them, uh, very similar to what I'm doing right now, giving them tips and giving them misconceptions. And, and I spent a lot of time doing that. I ended up... going to bed alone now i had walked through the dark alone uh a couple times at least on different nights uh, it was never a problem wouldn't end up being a problem again but that night i was there for four nights i think that night i i had the heebie-jeebies heavy duty i was i walked to the bathroom and i just fucking oh i was terrified i was just like i got to get back to my tent i was staying in a tent I uh, I saw a freaking telephone pole, and it looked like a ten-foot-tall alien, like for a split second. I, because I was just so on edge. Um, I went to, I hadn't had an OBE in a couple years at this point. I got to my tent. I laid down, still terrified, and while I laid there awake, I'm hearing footsteps around my tent. Not like, yeah, like really distinct. Uh, you know pine needles being compressed. We're all about pine needles up here in Washington State. Um, eat on pine needles. And I was like, no, 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 I hate this. Uh, later that night, maybe early, early the next morning, I wake up and I realize I'm waking up and I haven't moved yet and I haven't opened my eyes yet. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have an out-of-body experience attempt. I was just explaining it to people. I stayed still did the techniques and then i think the third repetition through the vibrations hit me well 
first I saw what looked like, on my mind's eye, I saw a speedometer, but with a double needle, two parallel needles that were attached together. So sort of like think of the letter H, but move the bar down to the end and make it a little narrower and point it at the ends. And the needle went down, like foo, like the, the speedometer is dropping. And as soon as it hit zero, my the vibrations hit me. Well, I was still laying there, and I was still scared. I didn't know if whatever had been happening was still happening, but I was like, nope, I'm not having an out-of-body experience right now. I'm not going to go out and see whatever weird paranormal shit is going on. I don't want to be a part of that. So I just canceled it. I rolled over. I was done. Um, I went to class the next day, and there were three ladies on one end of the room doing like witchy hand motions toward the teacher toward the guy who was teaching us remote viewing and and i was like what what are you doing what's wrong and they said oh um john the teacher he had a psychic attack last night i was like what and i went and sat with him later told him about my experience of the night before and told him uh Oh, I, uh, yeah, I saw a telephone pole, and it looked like a freaking 10-foot-tall gray for a second. And he was like, oh, yeah, they were here last night. And I was like, what? My mind is so blown right now. But, I don't know, that's just a, a story that's tangentially related to out-of-body experiences. I mean, I've had a handful. I really do wish I had had more, but I'm not super disciplined i guess i'm more disciplined now than i used to be but it does take a certain amount of discipline to go to bed with the intention of waking up without moving i mean geez i work late i really could i could do this every day but it takes a certain amount of discipline to go to bed with the intention of not moving not opening your eyes when you wake up and then actually doing that uh, rather than just forgetting for weeks at a time which is what i my technique right now is not as effective Um, I started writing a novel about about a young man who was trying to teach people this stuff, but it's no one knows about it. There's so much stuff like this that's like, regardless if you're a skeptic, if you don't believe in anything, if you believe, yeah, science, science, you know, I'll I'll believe it when it's proven, that sort of thing, which is fine. It makes sense. I have nothing against that. I I spent years like that myself. You can still have an out-of-body experience, and it's still a worthwhile thing to do. It's interesting and fun, and but the thing is that people generally will not pursue that sort of thing while not believing. Like they're like, "Oh, what's the point? Like, uh, what's the point of a roller coaster, man? What's the point?" I get a little peeved by the... See, when I say the skeptics, I'm not talking about people with a skeptical mind, people that are discerning, people who don't get uh, taken in by uh, used car dealers. I'm talking about people who write skeptical blogs and identify as a skeptic as a big part of their personality and 
having that having that point of view I'm done with that having that point of view closes you off I mean once once you have made a belief a part of who you are then you're not going to change that belief because no one wants to change who they are I, I mean you know we want to oh I want to work out more I want to um, I want to make better decisions but you don't you don't want something just appearing in your life and changing you into someone different than who you think you are. Generally, we want to be we 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 get very tied to our identities. And uh I mean, you know, I I've talked to people sometimes who their whole identity is they they only talk about how sick they are or how bad their anxiety is their depression like <laughs> like that's that's all they want to be is something to be pitied i mean it's really important to stop sometimes and look at yourself and say what am i what do i think i am and is that true am i do i have to be this thing i, I remember uh, Richard Halpert, um, Ram Das, his story about the time he did, I think he did acid, and, you know, he saw a vision of, you know, oh, here's the doctor, psychologist, or whatever he was, you know, he sees him standing on the other side of the room, and then once he's gone, who am I? And then the different aspects of his personality, his different identities sort of disappearing and once these are gone do i still exist and he found that he did <sighs> i didn't tell it well he, he's really good at telling stories another weird thing is that out-of-body experience a conscious out-of-body experience generally happens while you are awake you're awake for the experience <sighs> like one time i was oh for instance generally an alarm clock will go off if you're asleep it wakes you up i was ha i happened to be having an out-of-body experience the alarm clock went off i decided not to end the out-of-body experience right away i just walked around a little bit more listened to the alarm clock happen because i wasn't asleep in the first place if you fall asleep it kind of turns dreamy and shitty you 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 lose track of your body you're not really but i don't want to make absolute statements like that either because i believe that dreams are a they are in the same category as out-of-body experience rather than saying out-of-body experience is just a dream i mean i don't think just a dream is even a true statement dreams are real um, they are things that happen in an environment that's different. That fucking dolphin out there, he has been going in circles forever. I might go see him. But, I mean, it, you know, if you're a Christian, you believe that angels appear to people in dreams. Well, are they doing that by getting in your brain and, and, and hitting the different wires like in uh, the expanse that uh science fiction the science fiction uh novel series where 
the hyper-advanced ancient aliens were were playing with uh, the main character's neurons in order to make him hallucinate this this character who's in front of him. Is it more likely that they are in there fiddling with your neurons if you're someone who believes Christian uh, beliefs? Or is it more likely that they're freaking... that you're out of place and they just went there and said hi? I don't know. I've had enough... I've had enough weird dreams. I'll tell you a weird one. I, uh... So, I'll tell you the part that is the most important to me, and I'll leave out the distracting part, and then I'll mention the distracting part, because the distracting part is distracting. People get very distracted very easily when you're telling stories about things. Um, people are not super logical most of the time. I feel like a Vulcan sometimes, even though... I mean, I'm not super logical a lot of the time either. So I was dreaming that I was in a grocery store. Safeway, specifically. I was in the back of the store looking at whatever. I saw a short metal rack that had potato chips on it. This is a little weird to begin with, and I didn't realize this for years, but... I always have stressful dreams. There's always something happening that I need to overcome or something that is freaking me out in one way or another. I think I figure that's what dreams are for is to generally like just normal dreams are there to give you experience in bad situations so you can practice, you know, like, you know, you have a dream that your kid is missing. You have a dream that, and you know, there's symbolic and stuff. But this dream was literally just me walking around a grocery store. So that's a little suspicious to begin with. I'm looking at this rack of chips and then a black square appears in the middle of my vision. Um, and then it, it got bigger twice, I think, until my vision was all covered in black. And that blackness faded away into a second dream, the details of which are distracting, I will include after. The second dream played out, and then I was in the grocery store again, still looking at the rack of chips. So, I've never heard of this. You know, like, you don't realize dreams have rules until they break them. Like, uh, if you're in a dream, and you need to punch someone, and you absolutely just punched through him like Mike Tyson, you're like, oh, that's not usually what happens in dreams. Usually you're weak as shit. Like, oh. I mean, that that's part of... I don't know what's going on in my fishing pole right now. That's part of my belief that dreams happen in an actual environment because this environment has its own physical laws, and you can't really run for shit, and you can't really punch for shit because running and punching are not things that need to happen in this environment usually so this dream broke the rules i didn't know that dreams had by have by having another dream interrupted and the second dream seems to be taking place in a screen that was placed in front of my eyes that's a first that's a last that i I mean, you know, if I 
I'd love to know what happened that day. Okay, so that's the weird part. That's why that dream is interesting. Now let's go on and say... What happened in that second dream? 